Warning, the following episode may contain explicit language and literal bad humors. The year is 6500 BC, and two cavemen are discussing their health problems around a fire. What's wrong, brother? You don't want mammoth steak? Is it overcooked? I hate when it gets all chewy. No, <clears throat> no, <clears throat> not it. Grog, <clears throat> me have headache. Sorry to hear that. You didn't seem yourself, though. Have you visited the healer yet? Oh, <clears throat> I had appointment. He make me wait. Uh, he spent five minutes. <clears throat> not established. Good rapport. <clears throat> no bedside matter. <clears throat> Our healers are so rushed these days. Did he at least give you a referral? He no refer me. <clears throat> he tell me cut back on red meat and fermented goat's milk. <clears throat> he worry about cholesterol. Ooh. What is cholesterol? Don't know. Uh, look, maybe you should see the guy my brother-in-law saw for <clears throat> his headaches. Uh, didn't he die? Oh, yeah, he, he did. Of old age, he was <clears throat> 23. Oh, that good life. The healer he saw diagnosed him with errant spirits in his head. He opened up skull and spirits came out. He did feel better until he died a week later. It was a good week, though. Maybe you get your head open, too? Don't know. Seem like healer is aggressive. Maybe I'll headache not need holes in head to get better. Well... What do you or I know about these things? We're just simple cavemen. Maybe we should trust experts. What makes him expert? All he do is open heads. You, me, we open heads too. I don't know. There has to be more to it. I'm sure this guy has all the proper certifications to perform procedure. Headache no better. So maybe I go where he is. His office over there by that tree. Next to Boulder with the blood smears all over it. I believe he calls it his operating table. Oh, why did you do air quotes? Oh, seems ominous. Oh, what's that word mean then? What air quotes? Oh, not good feeling. And oh, things that annoying people do. Did you? Yes, I make up word and motion. Fill void in emerging spoken tongue. Oh, well, isn't that something? The good news is the specialist is accepting walk-ins. No appointment. First come, first serve, I hear. Hmm. What his name? He call himself Thwack the Bean Smasher. Name inspire confidence. Yes, doesn't it? His office will be open when sun comes up over tree line. You should stop by for appointment tomorrow. Hopefully he can help. Oh, thank you. Maybe I check Yelp review before I go see. Wait, it's a here. One out of five stars. I had headache. He hit me in head with rock over and over. Headache worse, and now I dead. That not inspire confidence. Uh, who wants to live forever? Do you really think you're going to make it to your 30s with sound mind? Not for me, thank you. Mm. Short life expectancy. Mm. Headache put into perspective. I, both are, get hole in head tomorrow. That's the spirit. Say, can I, can I have your uh, spear if, you know, something should happen? Yeah, you can have spear. You want my mammoth stick? Oh, no, no. No, thank you. I am vegetarian these days. Hmm. I understand. Me, paleo diet. That makes sense.
Welcome, everyone. This is Poor Historians, the podcast delving into the archives of medical history. As three practicing emergency physicians, we'll explore the unusual ailments, treatments, physicians, and all related material having to do with the healing arts. I'm Max, and I am joined here by my good friends and colleagues, Aaron and Mike. Gentlemen, what you doing with those rocks and drills in your hands? Surgery. Definitely surgery. Yep. That's what I'm doing. It kind of, it makes me a little bit happy that uh, with the things I have in my basement, I can theoretically perform surgery. You can do surgery with almost Ooh, anything yeah. you find. You know what? Edit that out. That sounds, <laughs> that <laughs> nope. sounds terrible. That stays in. <laughs> that sounds, yeah. No. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. What else is in your basement? <laughs> nothing. Nothing else. Nope. Small Trick skis. or treat. It's yeah. his favorite time of year. <laughs> Unsuspecting people at his door. It's... Oh, you guys want to check out. My boiler? Well, it's a really old house. It's got a boiler in the basement. You want to go look at it? Got some candy down there. <laughs> Don't go to Aaron's house. Oh, I'll be at work, you guys. Be at, I have an alibi. I'm going to be at work. Okay, good. Do you guys have any uh, any shout-outs that you're aware of? I, I don't have any on my end. No. I feel like we have to do a shout-out now. Oh, wait. We got to do the belated shout-out to all the... APP listeners that we have, because when we shouted out emergency medicine nurses week, we didn't realize it was also emergency medicine APPs week. So, oh, well, that's our oversight. Yes. Yes. So shout out to them for sure. Also cannot do our jobs without them. So I think I am functionally inept without their help. So what do we have on the docket today? All right. Well, this is it. Uh, the absolutely most historical medical thing I could find, uh, the oldest surgery known to humankind. So this surgery has been around for thousands and thousands of years, and yet the internet still managed to make it worse, just like it always seems to. Any guesses, guys? I do have an educated guess because I read, read the, the segment and read the segment. did editing mm-hmm. and yeah. wrote the skits. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> do I get it if I'm right? I don't know. You get a podcast, man. You get a, you get your very own podcast. Oh boy! So yeah, so it's putting holes in each other's skulls, but in a medical way as opposed to a violent way. So today we're going to talk about trephination. Oh, also, it's it's absolutely still violent. It, well, sure, controlled yeah, violence. Sure, 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 controlled. Maybe back then, not anymore. Also known as tree panning or trepanning. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I. I just trephination makes most sense. And for some reason, the idea of literally boring a hole in the skull has been so irresistible that some people are still advocating doing it themselves or to themselves almost to this very day. I bet you there's a magazine out there for it. <laughs> Trippening times. <laughs> are there are there still zines? Is that still a thing? I don't like know. Mega, mega zines? Mag- magazines? What's At Walgreens, that? they have them. Okay. The... Trepanning so... today. <laughs> <laughs> so back in Neolithic times, medical practices show up in the archaeological record, and there's actually a large proportion of skeletons that show evidence of what looks like planned trephination. 
in a burial ground in France that dates to about 6,500 BCE, almost 30% of the skulls show evidence of trephination and across sort of most Neolithic burials, about five to 10% show the practice. So that's, that's a lot of trephination, a lot of holes in skulls. Of course, I was thinking about their long buried remains and some of the trephination may have happened after death, but uh, many show some evidence of healing that suggests the patient survived afterwards, sometimes for quite a while. I mean, they could have been practicing after death. That's true. Like That's there had true. to have been the uh, Cro-Magnon dude who was like, I, I think I have a better shape of this flint rock. I can get into that skull a lot easier. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, like the Neolithic medical school. Yeah, what would have made them think that that's something that would work? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can see you just the first guy sitting there has a headache. Buddy wants to help him out. I say, well, it hurts there. <laughs> Feels like pressure. I don't know if they had a word for pressure, but it seems like it's only reasonable to let loose the pressure. Yeah, I don't know, though. Like, but when you have a <laughs> headache from a head bleed like that, that could be treated by trephination. You're usually not alert enough to even grunt. But I think you're assuming that it was... It was that they were assuming that there was that. I mean, I I can just imagine the first person was like, my head hurts and it feels like it's going to burst. And the next person was like, I have an idea. Let me make sure. Right. Could it be an after death thing though? Like, you know, thinking that your soul is trapped in your skull and, you know, because your thoughts come from your skull. So put a hole in it so it could go to wherever. Uh, I mean, I think some of them were that. Yeah. So the, I mean, I am not an archaeologist, a paleontologist, um, even though I watched Ross on Friends for a while. So I think that, uh, it's unclear reference it's unclear but there definitely were he's the worst friend by the way there were um there were times where it was ritualistic for sure um it occurred in a careful fashion in the aztec people and across mesoamerica as well but they also practiced cranioplasty and collected the skulls of their enemies so that kind of muddies the records what uh what do you mean by that yeah cranial so they would they would do a lot of things that would actually change the shape of the skulls so they would uh you know put bands on skulls and make them elongated and such which if you spend enough time watching the history channel some people think is proof of aliens and so on but there were you know this body modification from a young age so the mesoamerican skull record is is muddied <laughs> i guess muddied and cone shaped yes yeah, muddied and sometimes cone shaped and there are weird weird holes and such and there's some sites, I guess they found one in Oaxaca that shows multiple procedures on the same skull. Uh, and people didn't know what to do with that. So they wondered if it was non-therapeutic trephination with some evidence of healing. That sounds like a terrible euphemism. So what else is trephination for funsies? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, was that nothing to do? There's no internet, <laughs> no social media, <laughs> staring at, uh, staring at your, yourself. I don't know if they had mirrors, but it's wondering, you know what? I bet I can put a hole in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. And was it themselves or someone else? Uh, just someone that else. Doesn't... Someone else. Yeah. I don't want to. You wouldn't do that on your own. <laughs> How in the world would you do that? Well, we might find out. Regardless, mm. it's clear it was a common surgical procedure. So as more and more burial grounds were found, the vast majority did seem to show healing and scarring. So it looks like the operation was actually pretty well tolerated with survival rates around 50 to 90%, which at the time, you know, that's got to be pretty good. By contrast, survival for trephination in the leading hospitals of the 1860s was about 10%. So this led to incredulity when ancient trephination was discussed among medical circles at the time. This was about when they started having conferences saying, look at what these 
ancients did and all the doctors who thought they were really smart said, there's no way we kill everybody. So how could they have done it better than us? <laughs> I wonder how they established a survival rate from 6,500 BCE. Yeah, right. You'd have to estimate the population size and... Well, I think it's to do with the uh, the the ones, the proportion of skulls that had trephination that showed evidence of healing in the bone. So the ones that formed I a callus see. around the edge or whatnot. I guess it does take a certain amount of time to form callus, so that at least tells you they made it. Yeah, I don't they, know. they made it a little bit. Months. <laughs> but how do you know somebody didn't go in there to try to scrub the evidence? Yeah, we're just like... <laughs> Just going to sand this down a little bit. Look like it. <laughs> right. Totally. Well, and it's totally limited because any procedure they would have done on any other soft tissue, of course, wouldn't have survived. So we're looking at, you know, it's all a skeleton record. So yeah, they did this, but who knows what else they might've done or I don't know. So there's, there's a few main techniques. Um, there is a sharp knife made for this purpose. So it's called the Tumi in Peru and and they have evidence of this. It's like usually a really beautiful, you know, uh, Mesoamerican knife with a curved edge at the bottom and then a, a figure on top. And they'd overlap perpendicular cuts to make a square. I would have thought chisel would have been <laughs> the first thing. Yeah, it probably was kind of like a chisel. You just, you'd be, you'd be like pushing the knife so hard and then, you know, it's going to slip. It's going to, once you, yeah, you the least effective. Well, this is why you had to probably have the school. You had to have people practice, um, oh. you know. I don't know. They used flint to simply just, they just scraped the side of the skull back and forth until there was a hole that formed. So you'd have these edges mm. that were scraped and then in the middle, it just, you know, eventually go through probably along the sort of the back edge. Where would they do this? Like where in the skull? Usually in the back, usually like the, the back part of the skull, right? Where it sort of turns the corner from the side to the back. Between the parietal and occipital scalp is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So in there. Like about the ear. Uh, well, so the, the modern, it, it depends. Um, I mean the scraping ones that I saw when I was looking at pictures, they were always closer to the back, not the front. And then usually the, the knife ones were, were in the front. Um, they were kind of all over, but that means the knife ones as you're like, as you're doing that, you're just staring that person in the eye. <laughs> right. Exactly. Hold still. Don't, don't move right now. So a method uh, so, and this was actually tested by Paul Broca, who was a famous neurosurgeon and anthropologist at the University of Paris in the mid 1800s. Also the one who named the region of the brain that deals with language. So he had a lot of hats. Um, you're, you're saying that he was a, he, he was a brain surgeon and an anthropologist. Yeah. Like yep, Indiana yep. Jones. Oh, yes. Yes. Indiana Jones-esque. Yeah. Yeah. Wisconsin Broca. Let's see. What a, no, that's not a good state name. No. Idaho Broca? No. No. <laughs> okay, I'll keep trying. So Tallahassee. He Tallahassee Broca. <laughs> Tallahassee Broca. That's his uh, name. Uh, that's his name. So uh, it took him about 45 minutes to make a decent-sized hole with flint. So he actually like tried it on a, must have been cadaver skull. Um, and then you, the, the other way is a variety of ways to cut or drill sort of a circular disc out of the skull. And there were a lot of tools used for this, some in Kenya, which was a place where it was done frequently, and then in the Renaissance in, in Europe. And then the, the last one, I guess, in the Middle East, there were they drill multiple small holes, and then they use a flexible saw and move it back and forth in between the edges and then take the piece out. That seems hazardous. Yeah, I mean, they, well, they all seem hazardous, you know. I mean, it's no, all I, a hole. No, I'm, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb and say that the scrapey method is probably the safest method. You would think, yeah, right? I mean, with, with the tools discussed. I mean, the... The hacksaw connecting the holes method is something that's difficult to do to wood. Right. 
Well, and you think about every time you go through a hard surface anyway, like you always have that, when you get through to the other side, you have that, you know, that pop where you go further than you want to, like when you're drilling and stuff. So I'm sure that was, you don't want to pop here. <laughs> no, you don't pop, you're like, Ooh. Oh no. We, we had pop. <laughs> Each accidental slide is a gone memory. Like just, yeah, that's, this is a question like why? Well, um, so you know, part of it is for one answer, we can talk about the burr hole in modern emergency medicine and a shout out for everyone wearing helmets. So any severe head injury can cause bleeding inside the skull and around the brain, and then brisk bleeding from veins or worse arteries inside the skull will expand. So the temporal artery is a known frequent offender right above the ear. Well, it's inside the skull above where the ear is on the outside. And the brains in our skulls are delicate, soft, and low pressure relatively. So with enough space, and they have space around the brain for protective layers and fluid and such. Uh, but blood is at much higher pressure, so the pressure builds up and the blood collects, and it sort of pushes the brain across the inside of the skull or down through the base of the skull, which is bad and leads to brain death. So the emergency treatment is to drill a hole and let the pressure out. Modern medicine, we can get CT scans within minutes and call in a neurosurgeon to do this the exception being rural emergency medicine where it could feasibly be done by an ER doctor or even an FP doctor if they're if they're trained and way out in the middle of nowhere. Certain programs train residents and rural docs in the procedures still um, as it's ideal to be done within about an hour or so in certain specific patients and smaller hospitals don't have access to a neurosurgeon. So have either of you guys had to do this procedure? I have. I have not. I was on my neurosurgery rotation, and then the senior was like, hey, do you want to do this? It, it, you know, I'm not going to say no. Yeah, especially um, you. anytime you have a, a, the opportunity to do a procedure that won't come up often and is potentially pretty high anxiety, as you might imagine. Yeah. Yeah, just even just finding the spot that you're supposed to go. You know, you're supposed to measure it. He knew because he had done a ton. Sure. You know, but he wants me to figure out where to go. And like, so you determine the spot where you're going to go in. Mm-hmm. make an incision. And with that, we just had a little drill. And so it drilled in this, like felt the pop of the inner table come out. We ended up putting in a bolt too. So it wasn't just a burr hole. Sure. Basically like a little, it goes through the skull and it measures pressure. Yeah. But even doing that, like just imagine what you're doing. Like I'm putting this device into somebody's brain. Yeah. Like again, I've got so much respect for neurosurgeons and what they do and what they can tolerate and yeah, it's just, just crazy. And then I had the opportunity to do another one. It was just a busy shift. Um, yeah, the doc came down and came out. It was in there literally for, I don't know, three minutes. Yeah, it's not a long procedure, yeah. Yeah, I just did a burr hole. He's like, oh, shoot, Mike, I should have had you come in there and do it. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. Scarred once. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, the thing that gets me if I, because every once in a while we'll cover rural places. And, uh, I'm like, but where would I get the tools? I mean, these places, a lot of the smaller hospitals, I mean, you, you have, I mean, they're really good at having what you would need for most situations, uh, depending, but like sometimes you're just calling the maintenance guy. I mean, there's, there's some cases of just call the maintenance guy and get a, get a drill, <laughs> like a normal, a like normal for this drill. Procedure? Yeah, for yeah, no, for this specifically. Yeah. So I, I have heard of using an IO drill, which is a, it's a drill mm, that you use idea. to, uh, in times when we cannot get an IV, we will put basically a hole in one of the long bones, the femur or the humerus, and you can actually give fluids and medications through that, like a, like a sort of IV. 
And so that drill I've heard of being used in rural settings to, huh. this to is do a this. good workaround. You just gotta yeah. be gotta be careful. Yeah. I mean general yeah. good rule for doing this procedure. But then again, you gotta remember like what you're working with. You're working with like life and death. It's but you're right at the teetering point between death and life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's yeah. less stressful because you know this I mean, is the outcome's gonna be terrible you, if you do nothing. Yeah. If you do nothing, it's gonna be it's gonna yeah. be bad. Do nothing, space. death, do something, maybe not. Uh, there is probably not another good option. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, and just for listeners, if you know, if that description of your brain getting squished across the insider skull gives you any bad feelings at all, just please wear a helmet. Thank you. And good night. You're not wearing a helmet right now. I, well, no, <laughs> let's wear, wear a helmet when applicable. But he's wearing oh. a gym hat. I'm, Wait, I just no, he's not. But... How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is an audio medium right here. I could be wearing whatever I want. So trephination was almost certainly applied to severe head injuries. So Hippocrates spoke about trephination first in giving it head wounds, even without severe bruising, which makes sense. But, you know, they would have it got, would have gotten applied quite broadly. So it was the decision was based on a couple factors, including, you know, the Renaissance or the pre-Renaissance version of a scary mechanism, like the guy that hit you with a club was really big instead of little. And then other signs like loss of consciousness, uh, persistent bad vertigo after a head injury or severe headache or other neurologic problems. And vertigo being like dizziness. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. room spinning, unusual dizziness. Yeah. Which, you know, if we applied that today, they'd probably overuse it a little bit. Oh my yes. God. Just imagine <laughs> <laughs> all the 80 year olds that have holes in their heads. Vertigo a day is like typical. Yeah, at least, at least. It was used for head injuries through Galen's time. We've mentioned that doctor, uh, I think in the in some previous episodes, some father of modern anatomy. So just pre-run through the Renaissance into the 19th century um, and often done at home uh, throughout that time with a house call. Um, when it moved into hospitals is when it fell out of favor because 90% of those operated on died and it was thought to be terribly dangerous. Um, so of course this is before sanitary technique when it first moved into hospitals. So I doubt the problem was the trephination. It, it was probably just, it provided a direct path for infection to get at the brain since I'm sure surgeons in the 1800s just wiped their blood crusted smock and then kind of rooted around in the skull to check for bleeding and make sure they had got through and so on. Oh, I, I definitely found, and I think we did discuss, uh, I can't remember if it came up on an earlier episode, but uh, I did find a uh, report from the 1830s of trephination. Hmm. And it's, uh, it's, it was a, it's funny because it's like two or three docs arguing about who gets to go into the skull and lift up the bone fragment that went into the oh, skull. Yeah, that's right. I remember <laughs> that. That was the lady that fell out of the tree, right? Yep. Or, yep. Some, yeah. or I think on the horse. Okay. When we talked about Phineas Gage, he kind of auto-trephinated, right? I mean, the injury itself was the reason that he uh, potentially survived the the bleeding because it wasn't because he already had a hole. The spike so. goes through your eye socket yeah. in the top of your head. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's I guess that qualifies. I mean, not ideal. If you look at that number too, was it ninety percent of those operated on died, or a hundred percent would die and ten percent survived? Well, but right. So if you. Uh, Hard to say, right? So yeah, it's going to be a bit of a messy number, but still you had a, a procedure that had a really good survival rate and uh, outside of the hospital and then not when they were in. So you're thinking of selection bias. So the people that are in the hospital are sicker than the ones at home. Yeah, I, that that's a good point. But I, it, it went back to its normal survival rate 
once they figured out the sanitary issue. Mm. Use a clean rock. Yeah, right. Yeah, wash the flint. We uh, it does it makes a lot of sense for trauma. Obviously, even looking back on it with with modern medical eyes, but we got a bit lost in the weeds, and it was used frequently for both epilepsy and mental illness. Uh, in the 13th century, there's mention of letting the evil humors out of the head, and in the 16th century, there was mentioning the letting out of a little extra air and also the humors as well. And a textbook mentioned that many epileptics were cured this way, which I really don't. I have skepticism. <laughs> Dead bodies don't seize. Ep- epileptics, of course, <laughs> referring to folks with a seizure disorder or their underlying um Basically, the substance of the brain is prone to causing uncontrolled outbursts of electrical activity, and this results in what people kind of commonly think of as full body shaking. Uh, It certainly can take many other forms, but just for the general sense, and I cannot think of any reason why a hole in the head would help that unless it was caused by bleeding on the brain. Right. No, I mean, 16th century and you're doing this to everybody, you're going to get that right once in a while. Yeah, right. You you know, you've got you could take out foci out of the, the temporal lobe. Like that's still I don't know how common that is now, but within the past ten, twenty years it's Well, sure, but trephination, you're just doing the whole. So if oh, you happen yeah, yeah. to Yeah. I mean I guess if you didn't oh, it'd be hard to trephinate over the temporal well, no. Yeah, it's low. I don't know. I mean if you make the hole and you go in there and you scoop out stuff, like you're gonna change something, but I don't mm-hmm. I don't know that they had that nuance. Also mm-hmm. might be a spoiler for a future episode there too. But yeah, yeah maybe I, if maybe if they felt the pop and like, oh shit. And then, oh, <laughs> hey, it was actually pretty good. I would bet it's the by mistake the people that were seizing because they had bleeding. And because if yeah. you have a head bleed, you will it will cause seizures because of the irritation of the blood. So that's you the know, only those thing patients I think. when they went too deep, they probably were pithed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Trephination is Frequent subject of Flemish Renaissance paintings as what are called masters dig out the stones of folly for patients chained to chairs. So it's just, I mean, yeah, it's not a real fun Renaissance. What's a stone of folly? I I don't know. I don't think that's well defined. I think it's similar to the humors. Are they referring to the, wait, are they referring to the instrument as a stone of folly? No, no. I think that's one of the things they're getting out. Oh, okay. Why don't we use the humors anymore? It was simpler. Uh, it was four yeah, of them. You know, it was just funnier back then. Oh, well, the good old days. I will certainly bet that it was not fun to be a patient with a headache at uh, multiple points in history where the answer was, let's put a hole in your head. But that's kind of just what we used to do. I can imagine this came up over and over again in history. Two 16th century Renaissance era doctors are standing about debating whether or not putting a hole in someone's head will be helpful. Well, good sir, it seems our patient here has been suffering from dreadful headaches as of late. They seem to be getting worse and worse and have not responded to our typical cures. Hmm, what have you tried? You name it. We've tried arsenic, mercury, hanging them upside down, leeches, other bleeding practices, purging the bowels, prolonged fasting, and a few exorcisms. Oh, did any of it help? Nope. He says he feels worse. That is true. I do feel worse after all, for some reason. Oh, hello there, patient. Well, I'm out of ideas. My head is pounding. Can you do something to relieve this pressure? Oh, I have an idea. I'm eager to hear about it. Well, if 
pressure is building up inside his head that would likely explain why he is in pain. Likely he's developed too many bad humors. Right, right. So what if we came up with a procedure to relieve the pressure and let those bad humors escape? That might work. But how on earth would we do that? Oh, simple. We'll, we'll put a hole in his head. What now? People have been doing this procedure for centuries, if not longer. It's really quite simple. For you, maybe. This seems potentially dangerous. Oh, no, no, no. It only seems that way. Again, people have been doing this for a long time. Why wouldn't we do it if it doesn't work? Who exactly is doing this nowadays? Well, I've heard of a few cases here and there. It's just one of those medical things that worked so well for so long that we somehow all forgot about it. You know how that happens? For what it's worth, that doesn't sound like a good reason to do this. I agree that it seems dubious. However, I think we've exhausted all other efforts to help with this headache. If this practice has been around that long, it has to work, right? Oh, excellent. Let's give it a go. I happen to have brought some tools right here. Tools? Don't you mean surgical instruments or something? Oh, call them what you like. Let's see. Here's a set of knives, surgical knives. Those will probably come in handy. Right, right. Here's some wood chisels. I think they'll do for the skull, too. Oh, uh, are they clean? Why should that matter? I don't know. Good point. Well, maybe it does matter. Shh. Doctors are talking. Oh, wait. Look at that. My headache is resolved. Are you are you sure? I, I have this all ready to go. I'm quite sure. Yep. No headache here. I'm going now. Bye. It's almost as if pulling out a series of sharp implements and contemplating the act of boring a hole in that man's skull was curative. Nah, just coincidence. He ran so fast. Yeah, he, he really did, didn't he? I'm glad he feels better. <laughs> well, that was an interesting transcript, to say the least. What were you saying, Aaron? Oh, I... Trying to remember where I left off here. Probably the uh, other times when it's used more in more modern times. So, uh, some African cultures perform the practice reliably and have sort of continued to do so. The Kisi people, if I'm saying that right, I I don't know. Use it for relief of headache after a head injury, performed by some general practitioners with advanced tools and with modern anesthetics, um, and have a a very low complication rate. Apparently, good. Good to know. Yes, so it's still done well. Of course, uh, with any sort of procedure done this much through history, you would sort of expect that it would get up, get picked up by some folks in modern times. It went away in favor of lobotomies in the mid-century, and I, I don't, I'm not entirely convinced that was really a good choice. Uh, we'll have to come back to that. On their lobotomies own. definitely <laughs> deserve their own episode. Definitely. Yeah, I don't think that was a good choice at all. But uh, so then, you know, uh, came back in the 1960s. So uh, that wonderful, wonderful time. So Bart Everything Hughes, comes and goes, comes and goes in fashion. Yeah. Everything that is old is new. Yeah. It's almost like for everything, there's a season. Yes. They're like tight rolling jeans. <laughs> right. And hyper that, colors. Yeah. And trepanation. And trephination. Yeah, yeah. It's a fashion. So Bart Hughes was a, a Dutch research librarian who advocated self-trepanation in the 1960s. <laughs> right around the same time that he was an advocate of LSD research. There it um, is. Yep. 
Thankfully, he only ever did it to himself and not his daughter, Maria Juana. <laughs> actual name. Nice. No, it's not. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah. That I mean, you awesome. know, I mean, it's internet sources, but yes. <laughs> it's on the internet, Mike. Yeah, well, at least yeah, it must be true. It must her be name's true. not like ketamine or K2. <laughs> Ketamine. <laughs> or robo tripping. My, my second daughter, Kate. I mean, his theory was that our brains never adjusted to walking upright, but if you drilled a hole in your head, it would balance the blood flow with CSF and, in, sorry, the spinal fluid around and inside the brain and improve brain function. It sounds like he was an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> and he theorized it would provide sort of a permanent high that would never go away. So what you're saying is that his theory was after millions and millions of years of evolution, where we... <laughs> And every at that time, they would have known a lot of uh, right. ancestors yep. did walk upright. He's saying that that was yeah. all a long mistake. Yeah, that that didn't go well. That, We've never uh, you know what? It didn't didn't go well. We were on the wrong. <laughs> we were on the wrong trajectory as a species in terms of how we are standing. And the most logical explanation or fix for that is to put a hole in your own skull. Yeah, Just think about that because <laughs> all the billions of people that were alive at the time were wrong. <laughs> What what I want? I mean, serious question. Do you think the LSD influenced that theory? Uh, yeah, <laughs> just a little. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess to play devil's advocate, the the body does well, have yes, things. Please do you. with this. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, not not to the self trepanation, but the idea Aaron that Aaron is be advocating for self trepanation. <laughs> this is a bad episode for me, man. People are going to start to look at me funny. Yeah, usually I'm the one. Who I know. Normally, you're the one. Gets there are a lot of things in the body where, like, why is it designed that way? I mean. The, the appendix is a, an example we, we just talked about. I mean, what does it do? There's stuff in our body that just doesn't make a lot of sense and always goes wrong. So maybe it's not entirely crazy that this guy thought that, never mind, it's totally crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's totally crazy. So he got a dentist. Oh, actually, grill. real quick. Have you ever watched that the videos of the girl that runs around like she's a horse? So she runs on all fours. What? And she's what convinced she's a horse. About? Yes, I do know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. So <laughs> is is that like that person who said they can only walk backwards after they got vaccinated? <laughs> <laughs> like that's if they, if they walk backwards, it's a normal walk. But if they try to walk forwards, they like flop their limbs. And yeah, oh, well, who knows? <laughs> it's like Parkinson's. You know, you can't you know, you can control that gait. If remember when they were doing the light research and like you could walk following a pattern. But once the pattern's gone, you couldn't. So maybe. Um, yeah, I guess that, one. that one's not to... as much of a stretch as the whole head thing. <laughs> the whole head, sure. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. So he he used a dentist drill and he successfully put a hole like right in his middle of his forehead and had a partner take photos of this. Um, and I, I think the middle of the forehead thing was maybe kind of like a third eye. It's actually a terrible choice because your yeah, skull's a lot thicker. It's mm -hmm. a lot thicker in the front and there's sinuses. You're going to go in the right into a big vein. Yeah, it's just, right. just or hit like, like the anterior communicating artery. Yeah, it's it's just really it's bad. What but, we're you saying know, is pick a uh, pick a place in your skull to put a hole and put some thought behind it first. Yeah, right. Exactly. In place that doesn't just, have arteries. Does or that qualifies a pun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Thought behind. He went to a local emergency room and and he got X rays to prove he, that he was successful and was placed on a psychiatric hold. <laughs> So can you imagine this person coming in? They're like, I would like an x-ray of my skull to prove that I actually was successful in drilling a hole in it. Please. Thank you. 
I I, can't, I mean, we see enough strangeness in our jobs that it, it. I won't say that that's happened to me, but... I'd be like, well, A, it's going to be a CT, not an X-ray, sir, madam. <laughs> and B, I'm going to call the police while you're in the scan. Yeah, so yeah, uh, psychiatric hold, again, for, for some non-medical listeners, is a maneuver where you think somebody needs psychiatric care, so you actually mandate that they get it. They're a danger to themselves or others. Yep. Danger. And it, it doesn't happen except for times when you think somebody is a significant immediate risk to either themselves or others. But he passed this. He he passed. I, I don't know what they mean by passed. I mean, did he have his three days and it ran out or whatnot? But he wasn't, you know, people are like, well, I guess you well, talk just enough eccentric. and it makes sense. Yeah. Just that's, eccentric. It's always the uh, the line. Depends on, because you said he was, yeah. uh, he was yeah. like a research librarian. Yep. Yeah. So he's like, he's kind of got an educated career. So he can, people who are prone to strange things, if you have a high enough position within an educational hierarchy, you get to be eccentric as opposed to declared insane. Yeah. I don't know. I would have, I would have thrown the book at him. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? There, there is a librarian. Oh, I just went right past that. I didn't I was, even see it. I'm going to give you credit for that. I like that one. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you called it out because I would have been missed. Yeah. And I would have been nonplussed, like you said. If you want to improve any humor, you want to explain it. Mm-hmm. It makes it funnier. There is an organization called the International Trepanation Advocacy Group. And <laughs> they have a website called trepan.com. So they were really organized enough to get the domain name. Um, and it shows up now only in blogs and probably in the Wayback Machine, although I don't know how to use it, so I didn't. And it's defunct now. So you try to go to it, and it just doesn't work. Um, I so, did try to go to it. Yeah, it was, it was a big letdown. I was like, really? There's a still, and it just doesn't, yeah. But it, it did, you know, it's the people have advocated this. Same general reason, increased flow would lead to all sorts of benefits. So they- Increased uh, flow of- Just- just air in air into, into your, your brain, brain. <laughs> yeah, right? Just, yeah, I think it's the pressure that they're worried about somehow. I, I'm not, you know, I gotta be honest. I just, I had a hard time having enough patience with the viewpoint to really see what their thoughts were. Cause none of it made any sense. They, uh, they found a surgeon in Mexico who would perform the operation for about 2,500 us dollars, according to some prior blog posts. So they kind of made this whole plan for how to do it safely. It's not a bad price though. I'd do it for 2200 <laughs> You <laughs> go to Aaron's house, he'll do it for free in his murder basement. <laughs> no, you got to, there's some thing. overhead. Oh man, how did this become a thing? Well, he just, he enjoys the hobby. <clears throat> yep. Yep. I got all sorts of tools. Yep. There was uh, also a woman who literally filmed herself doing this in 1970s England uh, named Amanda Fielding. So she was trying to get uh, funding from the National Health Service for trepanation for a lot of the same reasons, just uh, general permanent high increased cognitive abilities and such. And then when after she filmed, it's like a documentary film and she talks to her uh, companion, this pigeon in the early part of the film. And then it's, yeah, it's a crazy piece of art that was screened in New York and then also in London. And the film is called The Heartbeat in the Brain. And you can still find snips of it on YouTube. I, I don't know if I would necessarily advocate going to watch it. Um, she was inspired by this Bart Hughes guy who did it, the, the research librarian. And yeah, and she also was in favor of a lot of research on psychedelics for scientific purposes. 
I feel like so, there is an yeah. association. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> side note, after Bart Hughes did this, the Dewey Decimal System was invented by none other than Bart Hughes. <laughs> what? No, really? I, no. <laughs> that would be awesome. That'd be a great fun fact, right? Sounds like he was a total dipshit. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't put it past somebody a dipshit inventing the Dewey Decimal System. I hate Probably, it. Probably, yeah. Actually, the guy who did invent the Dewey Decimal System was not a good person. <laughs> like, here we're going to... Not our podcast to cover, though. We're not just going to put it in sections based on, you know, uh, the general topic and then make it alphabetical. That would be too easy. We're going to, like, invent decimals and oh this alphanumeric oh i hate it so she yeah she it's it's crazy she got she has all her tools in her own bathroom and then she made a like she made a surgical dressing for herself and uh sunglasses and protected herself from the bleeding so she could still see and planned on two dental drills in case one of them failed which it did and then she went to the second drill just she did a cut down before just it's crazy she apparently said she felt a silence in her head afterwards. And that same night she went out to get steak to make up for the lost blood and went to a party with a big turban on. So <laughs> she's, she says she regained the lost vigor of childhood when the skull had soft spots called fontanelles and that she listed as one of the benefits. So I guess kids don't have the, the pressure problem because their skulls are soft. It's so wrong. And all kids are, wrong. they feel high all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. That's why they run around they so explain much. explain most of their behavior, to be honest. <laughs> so they, they do sometimes behave like little high individuals. So Aaron, are you advocating that people do this? I can't. I can't Absolutely like not. Okay. No, no. Even the British Medical Journal had to put a warning out in 2000 against trephination because they had had some people who had done it uh, in recommendation for cures for chronic fatigue syndrome and depression and such. So no, don't. This won't make it better. There's so many other ways to feel better besides this. But now they're just doing like dumbed down versions of this, like um, dry needling and stuff like that. Like yeah. poke yourself with stuff and you'll feel better. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough to speak about any of those things right now. I, some people I know have felt better with acupuncture and I don't or know much cupping. about it, but mm -hmm. cupping. Yep. Lots of things are still done that were done a long time ago. I think in fairness, it's a pretty big leap from trephination to. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, I don't know. I mean, the commitment, the commitment to really, dry you get it. Dry treffening. You just, you get a drill, but you take out the needle and you just whir it against your forehead. Mm, ooh, that's not a bad idea. You use a Theragun. <laughs> yeah, seriously. The headache's worse. Might cause a concussion. All right, that's all I got on that, guys. Well, that was interesting. Well... Before we find more indications to justify doing more trepanation, I think we'll leave it there. We appreciate everyone listening. If you'd like to send us a message or provide feedback, we can be reached through our website, www.poorhistorianspod.com. There you will find links to all of our social media sites. We do take emails at poorhistorianspod at gmail.com. And if you're old-fashioned, look us up on MySpace. We are friends with Tom. We found a totally sweet background. It's tasteful. Wait, by the way, guys, we, we need a sign-off phrase. But wait, you do have a MySpace page? That's awesome. <laughs> I do actually out there. I'm sure it's still out there somewhere. Oh, but absolutely not, not link it. Poor stories. Yeah. We should do one, though. That'd be amazing. Can you still start a MySpace page? Yeah, but you, you need to have Bova before you can. <laughs> Next, you need Bova. What's Bova? 
<laughs> you need both of these nuts. <laughs> Had to make it worse. Had to make it I worse. I whispered it so nobody could hear me. <laughs> What's wrong, Grothar? You don't want your mammoth steak? Is it overcooked? Me hit when it gets all chewy. No. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> Not it. Grog. Oh. <clears throat> me have headache. Eric, well, save save it for the actual, since I haven't done the intro. <laughs> Dang it! Oh, damn. That was great. Now it's, it's going to gonna... it's gonna be like, nah, nah, mate. <laughs> got it. Grog. <laughs> so true. Me got a headache, right? All right. It's a good one. Not quite. Yeah, do you have a good Flemish fancy, accent? Fancy? No, I don't know what a Flemish accent is like, really. I bet Mike does. If I just well, make my mouth sir. kind of tight, it maybe that's. Our patient here has been suffering from dreadful headaches as of late. It seems to be getting worse and worse and <laughs> worse and worse. Maybe make the V's instead of V's, the W's into V's. Something like that. Wow. You should ask the audience for a sign off phrase. Yes. Yeah, because I kept saying like, trust ourselves. nuts. I think I've said these nuts on most of the episodes. I know. Like, it's I just don't think that can be our sign off phrase. Maybe they oh. could be our yeah. They could Bofa could be our sign off phrase. Bofa. <laughs> I like Bofa better. Mm-hmm. You're gonna type Bofa into the document. You must not have been listening because I already did the Bofa thing. <laughs> Bofa. Oh, I'm sure I'll hear it in edit. Mm-hmm. Over and over well, again. Well, that was excellent. how about well, that was that's it, folks. That's the Forest Stories podcast. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. You put it in the maybe pile. It's got yeah. that it's got that old timey energy. energy. Well, Just doing it I'd buy well that for out. a dollar. <laughs> I think that one's trademarked. But you have to do it like the guy Gun, in the movie. Guns don't kill people. I do. <laughs> <laughs> You want, to, you want to hear a really random story that has nothing to do with anything? Sure. Yes. Based on that. So in in college, uh, we used to go to this Chinese food restaurant that was kind of fun because the proprietor <clears throat> had no customer service skills and was kind of mean to you. And she she just didn't have time. Like You go in to do an order and she's just used to dealing with dumbass college students all day. So she just had no patience for it. And so you'd go into the door and she's like, you know, what do you want? What do you want? And you'd, just, you'd be like super flustered if you've never been in there before. You're like, whoa, I'm just looking at your menu. And she's like, come on, let's go. And so, <laughs> but once their food was really good. So if you stuck it out and you went and you knew what you wanted and you went in, and you ordered efficiently, she kind of got to like you. And so she liked me and my roommates and and whatnot. And then so one day she brought in a there was like a park bench that was like in the waiting room or the lobby of the Chinese food restaurant. And she, she liked you. She would ask you to write something on it. And so it was covered with all, you know, so-and-so is here, or, you know, go, go Rams or whatever. And so they had all this stuff. And so she asked me, she's like, do you want to write something on there? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to take this opportunity to make a impact on your business. And so <clears throat> I wrote a phrase I saw on a t-shirt that I, to this day, still don't understand. <laughs> Uh, because there was a T-shirt that said "Guns don't kill people." Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> That's awesome. And so I wrote, I wrote like front and center, and like circled it, so it was like huge. And so we all stared at it. And she's like, "What does that mean?" And I was like, <laughs> "I honestly I don't, don't know. even know what the reference is." <laughs> I mean, I know who Mario Van Peebles is, but I don't. It's, it's a T-shirt I saw. I don't. She's like, "Why would you write that?" And I was like, 
you said to write something. That was the first thing that came to mind. I don't know why. And she's like, is that, is that a bad thing? I was like, I don't, I don't think it is. That's a meme page before it's a meme. Have you ever seen those memes? Where it, was, it was actually ancient memeology. Yeah. You read the meme and then at the bottom, it's like, you'll understand this meme in 30 years. <laughs> I mean, the best part is like, I have no idea to this day. Like I, that could have been. I could still get it on a t-shirt, but there's no explanation. <laughs> what? Does anyone know what that means? I just I, think it's the sound of the word. It sounds like guns don't kill people. Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> Oh, no, I I get it now. Like now, people would understand that because it doesn't make sense. So they would understand. But Aaron and I both don't understand it.